Sports Mind coming through, all right? you blokes and cheerleaders, and to the Sports Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sports Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time and have some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events and music and film. And lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Agambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast. We thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Welcome to this episode of the Sport Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, still in a... Still feeling pretty numb over what happened last Saturday. Um, You know, I went and got the paper on the Sunday and I've had that on my table all week, you know, with a great man, Shane Warne, on the front. And just, you know, you're thinking it's, as I was saying to you, off air. Like, it's like it's you're waking up from a dream or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just incredible that it's actually happened, but... Yeah, I think uh, his lifestyle caught up with him in the end, and yeah. um, sadly, and but geez, he he packed a lot in in that fifty-two years, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, sure did. Yeah. yeah. So um, no, just you know, from the news last night, his body's arrived back from Thailand yeah. yesterday after suspected heart attack, and yeah. I think they have confirmed, yeah, it's natural causes, and uh, yeah. yeah, and. His uh, grieving family were there at Essendon Airport and the mm. private jet touched down. And yeah. yeah, and his son Jackson is 23 now. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah, I remember when he was born. Yeah. He posted a video tribute to his great dad. So yeah. I think, yeah, the family are gonna, going to have like a private service and then yeah. they're going to have a state memorial at their Melbourne cricket ground. Uh, so they're yeah. anticipating, you know, 100,000. <laughs> Yeah. And a packed crowd at the SCG and, yeah. you know, you've got performance, performers such as Ed Sheeran coming out, Cole plays, yeah. Chris Martin, yeah. who he was great friends with. Yeah. Well, that's what he did. He, he lived a Hollywood lifestyle, didn't he? Yeah. You know, to the highest order. Yeah. Well, when my late auntie Carl passed away, because she was big in that bottle of life. Mm, sure was. Got up to Australian Selector. Yeah. Anyway, when it came to... Having her funeral, they they um they ended up having to set up two screens outside the church. Really, gosh! Because they just got so many calls about yeah. people that hurt people that yeah. were yeah that were going to um come because they were, that, yeah. they were only expecting a couple of hundred, but mm. a couple of yeah you know, three or four thousand turned yeah. up. She was such a big name in netball, wasn't she? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, would have um, inspired so many. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, she, even though she was, yeah, you know, very strict with with, mm. with every player, she just wanted the player to get the best. Yeah, out of them. So it was in the eighties. She was coaching, coaching, it? and into the nineties, into the nineties. Into right. the 2000s, she became more of a selector. Yeah. Um, for and coaching state teams like New South Wales and mm. then national 
um, selector and yeah, and coach and that. Yeah, was she coaching Australia in the '91 World Cup? I, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I'd have to find out, but I'd, yeah. I'd say so. That was a famous match because it was at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. Yeah, and they were playing New Zealand, and they won by about a point yeah. in the final. And Bob Hawke, it was our Prime Minister then, was cheering them on. And yeah, yeah, and that's sort of when I first sort of took notice a bit of netball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, he was great mates with you know. Boris Johnson and huge Hugh Jackman and Collie Minogue and Russell Crowe, you can just go on forever. Mick Jagger, Elton yeah. John, Piers Morgan, he was great mates with. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess a few more, I guess there's been, you know, a few more visible people in Australian public life, you know, had their fair share of trials and tribulations over the years. and. Yeah. But at the same time, being extremely popular. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of sports people, if they had to put up with all that stuff from the paparazzi and the media, yeah. they wouldn't want to get out of bed, Yeah, you know, and face the day. But he just took it on his, in his stride. And yeah. if anything, it just spurred him on more. And yeah. Yeah, I was listening to uh, – I was reading about um, just in the paper here with yeah, Ron Reid in the Courier-Mail – he said, he, quote, he's the blonde blockbuster, was never far from the next controversy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the example is, you know, he's indiscreet text messages with the odd nurse, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, wasn't there, the, like, a South African lady who was much older? Yeah, that caused a lot of controversy yeah. at the time. Yeah, no, there was so much about this text thing. But he was just, he was a knockabout larrikin, wasn't he? Especially with many young blokes who, you know, who could relate to him, loved their ciggy and a beer. And, yeah. And he, but he just didn't waste that emotional energy. Yeah. And, yeah, like other sporting greats such as Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan and mm. Andrew Johns and Muhammad Ali, you know, yeah. he's, he's experienced the, the taste of hitting rock bottom. Rock bottom yeah. You know? Especially 99 when he... Got dropped from the Australian team and yeah. um, came back incredibly and, mm. you know, after that major shoulder injury. Yeah. Apparently the surgeons, when he went in for um, surgery, they said he's, like, they would, could not believe that he had been bowling. Yeah. They said his shoulder was in such a bad way, like yeah. it was hanging by a thread. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, that he was able to do what he did was just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, but I never knew about this. I was reading yeah, just in that Sun, uh, Courier Mail last week that he once published a, a letter <laughs> to Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, just giving him some advice, you know, how to have respect for himself and his sport. And, yeah. Because that's one thing Warney had and what he learnt really well was having yeah. respect for his sport yeah. yeah and he he was sort of like the last of the you know <laughs> the real larrikins like yeah, someone he uh, an athlete preferred a smoke and a beer in the dressing room <laughs> rather than a you know gatorade and a yeah. ice bath but he yeah you know and he 
he battled all those issues with his weight and yeah. just that nicotine addiction he had yes. throughout his career and away from the game and yeah. all these health kicks he would go on. And they, they seem to think that's a major, main, main cause now of yeah, why, he had, why he had a heart attack. Yeah. But apparently he was having problems with his heart in recent times. He was seeing a, a doctor about his heart because yeah, yeah. yeah, he was concerned about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was all the paparazzi shots of him <laughs> drinking a Red Bull and smoking <laughs> a ciggy at the same time. Yeah. And yeah, well, I think we spoke last week in two thousand three. He copped that one year yeah. suspension after yeah. testing positive to a banned diuretic. Yeah, that was when he was recovering from another shoulder problem, yeah, dislocated shoulder, and he yeah. got sent home at the two thousand three World Cup, but he. His mum gave it to him because he, he was uh, worried about his double chin. Uh, he wanted to look uh, good for the cameras. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, it, yeah, he's, we've learned a lot of stuff about his diet during the week, <laughs> I've learned. Yeah, his diet was often spoken about, especially by his teammates. Yeah, so, such as David Boone and his autobiograph- autobiography under the Southern Cross. And apparently whenever he toured overseas, his diet consisted of Vegemite and toast, toasted cheese sandwiches, yeah. hot chips, yeah. ham and tomato pizza and spaghetti bolognese with no vegetables. <laughs> and on the 1998 Indian tour, yeah, apparently like he nearly had 2,000 cans of baked beans sent over because he just he couldn't stand the Indian cuisine. <laughs> he, just, he wouldn't eat vegetables at all. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and the, apparently, uh, yeah, Robert Craddock, the great cricket journalist, he um, reported early on him won his shield career. Yeah, yeah, there was a game, and so the team went out to this Italian restaurant for dinner, and yeah, Warney didn't like the herb bread or the you know the mushrooms in the spaghetti, <laughs> so he went outside and had a smoke yeah. and ordered a. Margarita pizza um. from another restaurant. <laughs> and I was um, listening to Michael Vaughan, former mm. English captain, because he became, you know, they were played against each other on on the field, but off the field, you know, they became great mates in retirement. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and last year, last Christmas, yeah, Michael Vaughan, you know, he... He didn't have anywhere to go for Christmas Day. Yeah. You know, his family wasn't there with him because of COVID. So yeah. Warney invited him down to spend Christmas with, with, with uh, you know, the Warney and his kids and, yeah. and at his brother's, Warney's brother's place. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Michael Vaughan would say, oh, you know, he'd get the lasagna and put it between uh, two slices of bread and yeah. eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had the interesting diet and he, yeah, he stated and engaged the British model and actor Liz Hurley for a while there. And yeah. the one thing I remember in 2000, he had a $200,000 sponsorship deal with Nicorette. Yeah. So he was smoking around 50 cigarettes a day. And, yeah, so this was to give up smoking. And this New Zealand teenager... He, he took a photo of Warney smoking. Uh, yeah, and he, the kid, you know, 
got in the big strife by the Aussie cricket team and yeah, but you know, in two thousand, especially in two thousand and six, you had these sexual escapades, <laughs> which were on the front pages of the tabloids here and in the UK, with images of him wearing Playboy jocks with a couple of women in London, and yeah, the bookie scandal we spoke about last week, where he provided a bookie called John information regarding the pitch and match, match conditions for money. So it was like, you know, for about $18,000 all up. And, yeah, he, would, uh. <laughs> he liked to chat on the field, so he would often talk to the umpires about what he was going to bowl. So Rudy Kurtz, and he was a famous South African umpire who Warney just really, really adored. And, um, you know, and he'd say, Rudy, look out for my wronging. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> And he loved his 80s music, Warney did, just like just like myself. You love your 80s music, don't uh, you? Yeah, sure. Uh, 80s, yeah. 70s. And uh, apparently during the 1999 World Cup, yeah, he reportedly said, you know, that he was getting sick and tired of all the fame and being treated, treated like a rock star. And, and then s- some journalists one night, they felt sorry for him and offered him a seat at this dinner. <laughs> And Warney told him, no, I can't go, I'd love to, but I'm going to meet, meet Elton John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And first time I heard of the Barmy Army was when England toured for the Ashes in 94 and 95. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they were chanting out in the crowd, you know, stand up if you hate Shane Warne. And, <laughs> yeah, and so they were doing this, you know, thinking they could get to Warney because he was just... That was that series, you know, when he got that hat trick. So they thought, oh, you know, we've got to try and get to him, put him off his game. Yeah, so Warney, Warney decided to sit down when they, were, when, they were <laughs> when they were chanting it. So that's what he was like, you know. He could orchestrate a crowd. He was just incredible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no. So just looking at some, we'll go to winners and losers now. So one of my winners is just the wonderful yeah. Warney memories. And, yeah, it's great seeing the Pakistan cricket crowds again, you know, and uh, just their show of support for the Australians touring there because, you know, it's only, well, they, they haven't had any um, international cricket over there for, gosh, over 10 years, you know, because of the, uh, the terrorism. Yeah. Um, yeah, but oh god, a big loser is the the pitch that was dished up in that first test at Royal Pindi. It was absolutely dead, and for the whole test match, Australia only got four wickets. Yeah, and the, the Pakistan um, officials even admitted that they prepared the pitch to um, nullify the Aussie fast bowlers. Yeah. It was an absolute road. Uh, it was like bowling on Brisbane Road uh, out here. Uh, it was just ridiculous. But, you know, Pakistan got 10 wickets on it. So, um, but, yeah, the second test starts today in uh, Karachi after the first test ended in a, in a boring draw. Um, yeah, but Mitch Swepson, he's the first specialist leg spinner to be picked for Australia, yeah. 
since 2009. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, you think when Warney, he was the greatest leg spinner of all time, yeah. <laughs> like you think about – it just shows you how hard leg spin bowling is as an art. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how he was able to dominate for so long and, such, you know, performing such a difficult skill. Yeah. Yeah, but other, another winner I have is the uh, Sydney Kings with six wins in a row. They defeated the Cairns mm. Taipans. Uh, and, yeah, loser, Manly. The NRL season kicked off, yeah, this week. Yeah, kicked off the other night. Yeah. And, but Manly... Yeah, they had their ninth straight for round one loss. Yeah, so uh, round one isn't good for yeah. isn't good for Manly, unfortunately. It should, it should be by for them. Should oh it? yeah, <laughs> they should just skip round one and go straight to round two. Yeah. I remember last year they lost something uh, like their first three or four games, and they uh, went close to making the grand final. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, the, the old saying that I. I Talking to the security guard, he said, oh. Yeah. yeah uh, we got the conversation. He said, oh. I said, well, What are you about to? He said, oh. I've started working on my second million. I thought, Wow. Mm. So you've already got your first million done. He said, No, that was too hard. So I thought I'd try the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, another big loser is Everton. 5 0 lost to Tottenham Hot- Hotspur. Yeah. They just go from bad to worse. Yeah. And it's relegation, here we come The way they're going uh, Yeah, so uh, Yeah, I haven't worn my Liv- Everton top for a while, have I? Uh, <laughs> I only wear yeah. it if they win And it's uh, it's getting a bit smelly Yeah yeah. So yeah, let's have, Do you have a slap of the week? <laughs> Could be sport, news Yeah I'll just, I'll, I'll go, Well, I won't I just mentioned my son. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. But it's, yeah. Just, yeah. Listen to you. If you get on good with your parents, listen to them before you go travelling. Yeah. And not <laughs> having a backup plan when you go overseas. Yeah. So what did he do? He put a card in the ATM machine. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and if he got to take the card, he just took the cash and the card mm. went back in the machine. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, you know, because... When I was in Thailand last yeah. time, I avoided those ATM machines like the plague. Because they're about $25, $35 per exactly. transaction. Yep, yep, and that's it, right. Because he only took a small amount because he didn't want to walk around with it. But I yeah. Thought, well, if he only knew how much I had been whacked. Yeah, the banks over there just charge you a fortune yeah. to withdraw money. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so I hope that he has a bit the rest of those holidays. He didn't realize how humid it was mm. over there. God, he's compared to Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Yeah, if you think it's humid here, gosh, you go there. Uh, oh, my life, uh, sweat bullets. Uh, but I remember, I think I was telling you last week, yeah, when I was there, and um, I've been there in summer and winter, yeah, uh, winter was hotter. Yeah. In Phuket. Yeah. Is he in Phuket or? No, he's in Bangkok. Bangkok, yeah. 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 I've got a mate who's got a, a friend in Phuket that that would have helped him out. But, mm. of course, he's 
A long way from Phuket. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we're looking at some sports news from around the globe. So, yeah, in the Champions League in football, Liverpool advanced to the, to the quarterfinals despite their loss to Inter Milan. But they went ahead because of uh, the amount of goals, you know. They played two leagues, home and away. Yeah, and of course they outscored Inter Milan. They go through the next yeah. round. Yeah, and in America, in the NBA, uh, Kerry Irving scored an incredible, get ready for this, 50 points for the Brooklyn Nets in their 132 to 121 win. Over the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. That's yeah. a high-scoring game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And in rugby, Michael Checker, former Aussie coach. Yeah, he's uh, looks like he, he's set to coach Argentina. Yeah. The Argentinian Pumas. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah, in... NFL in America, the Seattle Seahawks agree to trade quarterback Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. And apparently it's one of the biggest trades, according to ESPN.com, in NFL history. Uh-huh. Yep. So, uh, yeah, the Broncos have agreed to send a package of players <laughs> and draft picks to the Seahawks in exchange for Wilson. That's how, that's how much they want him. Uh, gosh, big bucks over there. There's a big signing because quarterback, that's by far the most important position in, in gridiron. Yeah. They do everything, you know, basically. Yeah. Okay. So after all the doom and gloom that's been going on recent weeks, <laughs> Or recent months or recent years. Yeah. Well, you think, you know, we had the, the worst bushfires in Australian history, yeah. basically, and then we had that blimmin' virus. Yeah. And I hear today there's another strain that's even more contagious. Yeah, that's it. Talking about uh, oh, winter's going to be worst. Yeah. Um, but let's just move on, you know. Yeah. Like, it's here to stay now, isn't it? Yeah. It's you know, going to just integrate to be the like the common player. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, we're on the verge of a world war and but no, we're gonna have some look at something really not positive today. Yeah. We're going to focus on sportsmanship. Yeah. Some of the great acts of sportsmanship over the years. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah so when you talk about sports people have displayed some great sportsmanship and respected their fellow competitors with respect. What comes to your mind, Glenn? Yeah, well, the, yeah, I'm talking about Stan Bayless and the uh, motorbike side for uh, racing. Mm. And, yeah, the, the, the way that, the, yeah, in between races and getting ready for races, yeah, they would share parts. Yeah. And help each other out. Yeah. Then get back on the track and that's great and race, but yeah, you know, and that yeah. was fairly common with even in in rallying mm. that they would you know, if something happened they would work together yeah to help each other stay on track. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, and I was just reading up about 
our Australian of the Year, Kirk Finlay, in the um, Paralympic Games in Beijing in yeah in two thousand eight. That um, UK's David Weir, mm. he won the race, and anyway, the committee decided to rerun it. Oh, okay. Apparently, David won it and was given the... Um, so it was a track race, was it? Yeah, yeah. 800 metres. So this is before he became a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. No, no Kurt no. Fernley, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know who he is now. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. So been, David's been award, won and awarded the gold and then the, the committee decided to, to rerun it. Mm. And... Um, Took the medal off him, but Kirk then went back to the committee and said, "No, nah, I don't want it rerun." Yeah, yeah, just give him the medal and yeah, that's great. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. It was like it was like I was thinking about. Oh, <laughs> now I've gone blank with his name. Um, Adam Gilchrist. Oh, yep. When he was at bats. And you know, times when he, he'd been, you know, given that out, and then he's gone and walked. Yeah, because he, he, he knew he'd done. The, yeah, he knew um, he he nicked it or yeah. it, it went. He was out, so he walked. Yeah, well, the, the main one that comes to mind for everyone in regards to him doing that was the uh, two thousand and three World Cup. In the semi-final against Sri Lanka, you know he was early on in his innings, yeah. and you know he's um, Sri Lankans have appealed for a court behind, yeah. and he was given not out, and he just put his bat under his arm and walked off. <laughs> Such a big match, huge yeah. match. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. What What are your views about walking in cricket? Well, yeah, I it, know it's sportsmanship, but it's just being honest. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, you 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 just got to mm. yeah. It'd be like standing there when you're not out. Yeah, I think that it, if you sort of if you're the person that will go, no, hang on, I'm out. I walk, even though mm. decision was not given out. Yeah, because even with all the technology these days overruling the umpire's decision. Mm. It's taking that away from the players as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it caused a bit of controversy, that, because um, I remember they were playing a test match against New Zealand. Would have been probably a year or so after that, two years, and yeah. Craig McMillan was batting. Yeah. And, you know, he's um, Australians have, like, Gilchrist was wicket-keeping and, yeah. you know, because he was a famous wicket-keeper for Australia as well. Yeah. And he's taken the... The catch, but McMillan wasn't given out. Yeah. And, you know, Gilly's going off at McMillan and McMillan turns around and he says, Gilly, Gilly, you don't, not everyone has to walk, mate. Not everyone <laughs> has to walk. It's in the, within the rules that you don't have to walk. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I remember I was batting once and, yeah, yeah I, I walked, you know, <laughs> like I didn't wait for the umpire's <laughs> decision. I knew I'd smash, smashed it. Yeah. But, yeah, like, like I remember there was a player on the other team and he said, yeah, that's great sportsmanship, mate. Well done. Yeah. yeah so although I got probably two runs that day, yeah. went like a busted, yeah. it still felt good 
you know, that I'd yeah. someone had commended me on yeah. an act of sportsmanship that they thought I'd done. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, but yeah, I believe that them, yeah, you know, standing up for what, you know, being right by the game and yeah, or the sport that you're playing. Yeah, that's right. Not to be a Mac and roll or mm. a tantrum chucker. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, you know, don't need that. Need to just know that mm. there's honest people out there that will play the game without trying to cause a big scene or mm. or that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, any other acts of sportsmanship you can think of? Um, uh, I did before, but then it slipped out of my mind. No, that's all good. Um, no, there's one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about. Remember John Landy, the uh, middle middle distance runner for Australia back in the nineteen fifties. He yeah. passed away a few weeks ago. I think yeah. he was a governor of Victoria yeah. on stage. And when he stopped in the middle of a mile race at the nineteen fifty six Australian Athletics Championships to help Ron Clark, mm. who had fallen over, and oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he, you know, he was leading the race at the time. But he yeah. still went back and helped out his mate. Yeah. And he went on to <laughs> catch up and win the race. Yeah. Uh, after helping yeah. his mate. It, it, I was even watching a clip before from the the track and the track and field from the Commonwealth Games here on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And apparently the, there was three Australian females running in the race. And... Um, even though they finished the line, they stayed there to encourage one of the to encourage another female runner yeah. from a small African nation to to you know, to finish oh, the race. Oh yeah, yeah, I think I remember uh, that yeah. now. Yeah, well, just at the last Olympics, you know that that um I forget his name. He was the Aussie. He got the bronze medal and the yeah. decathlon. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the final events of fifteen hundred meters, yeah. and the athletes are just absolutely spent by then. Because yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the uh, there was the guy who won the bronze medal. There was another Aussie in the decathlon, and he ran with him to push him. Yeah. You know, help him try and get the yeah. bronze medal. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Motivated and pushed him along and yeah. yeah. And as, as I spoke from the last episode of that what is that triathlon mm. with that female, you know, she'd been leading most of the way and she was just absolutely stuffed and the Yeah. The person the lady come in second just you know, came up to her and helped her across the line. Yeah? Yeah, you know, she could the person coming the lady coming second could have just took over and won it. Yeah. But she slowed down and even when the 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 lady coming in third place, when she came around the corner and saw what was going mm. on, she even slowed down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. To to show respect to to people that have really put a lot of effort in there and yeah. Yeah. They're struggling to finish the the last mm. the last bit. Yeah. I reckon it's more rewarding to help them than to win the race. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Definitely. But, yeah. you know, Shane Warne, he showed great acts of sportsmanship. You know, I think I spoke about it about a month ago. Yeah. So, 
<coughs> there was that one day game against England <coughs> packed Melbourne cricket ground back yeah. in 1988 uh, 1998 99 yeah. and yeah the crowd you know I think it was down around that southern stand they're going to name that grandstand after Shane Warne now yeah um, yeah they were you know there was a lot of problems down there they were throwing stuff onto the field and yeah, yeah it stopped the game and it was just getting out of control and yeah, yeah and Warney ran onto the field and helped out English captain Alex Stewart and the umpires and he's run over to the crowd and told them to, you know, <laughs> no more, you know, to behave and stop throwing things onto the field. And yeah. But one thing Warney did, he, he never knocked back a, an autograph for a kid. Yeah. Like he would stay f- for hours after a game yeah. and sign autographs, Yeah, you know. Yeah, he was just great, especially for disadvantaged kids. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but another act of sportsmanship that I can commonly think of, because most of the ones I can think of have to do with cricket, because that's what I'm, yeah. my main background is, is, yeah. you know, when a player who's plays his final test match, yeah. you know, say like Ricky Ponting or um, Sachin Tendulkar, you know, yeah. And the opposing team form a guard of honour for when they walk out to bat for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's a great act of sportsmanship. Yeah. And yeah, and when Don Bradman, 1948, came out to bat in that famous last innings where he needed six runs to get an average of 100. Yeah. It was, it was at the Oval. Yeah. And the English team, you know, were all clapping and they... Yeah, the English captain yelled out to his players, let's give three cheers for Dom Bradman. Hip-hip, hooray, hip-hip, hooray. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, Bradman, yeah, he, he like he had tears in his eyes, you know, from yeah. the crowd applause that he got when he walked out to bat and yeah. for what the English players had done, you know. And, um, yeah, and he got bowled for a duck by Harry Collies. Yeah. And he missed out. That's why his average remained 99.94. Oh, so yeah. you think just six runs away yeah. and he would have got an average of 100. Yeah. It's a famous number, that, isn't it? 99.94. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, another one I remember is a rugby league match. I remember I was watching it on TV and these are the days back in the 80s and 90s, you know, and the ABC would show the Saturday match yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. And Parramatta was playing Western Suburbs and there was a guy called Tony Casado and he played for Parramatta and Western Suburbs but he was he was a like a winger centre, you know, and he, he was playing for Parramatta that day and he, he got knocked out cold in this tackle and he swallowed his mouth guard yeah. and... West's, Western Suburbs' Cameron Blair, who also played for Parramatta, um, but he was playing for West that day. Yeah, he came to his aid, and yeah, I think he was uh, studying to be a paramedic or something. It was one of those medical fields where Cameron Blair was, uh, and yeah, and got right, straight away, you know, got him into that recovery position, opened up his yeah. airway, took out the... Yeah, yeah. And, oh, that was just great act of sportsmanship, that. And, 
Yeah, we paid salute to the great Rod Marsh last week too, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. We had two Aussie legends pass away on the same day. Yeah. But in the 1977 uh, centenary test, he recalled England's Derek Randall to the crease because he believed he wasn't out. And Randall went on to score a memorable 174 runs. <laughs> yeah, one of the great innings. Yeah. So he was known for doing that. Rod Marsh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's I'll quiz have... time. It's quiz time. Where's Miss Olivia? Olivia! Here she comes. She's gone off in the other room. Okay. <laughs> it, it got a bit cold last night. The weather changed. Oh. How are you, Olivia? I'm good. That's good. Alrighty, should we stop? Yeah. Okay. Question one. What was the name of the famous Aussie cricketer who won, who in the 2003 Cric- Cricket World <sighs> Cup semi <laughs> What was the name of the famous Aussie cricketer who, in the 2003 Cricket World Cup semi-final against Sri Lanka, walked walked when not given out? <laughs> I got the answer before. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah. uh, Should we just give them the answer now? No, nah, no. Nah. Okay. No, nah, it's it's testing their listening skills. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Should I say it again? Okay, question number two then. What was the name of the New Zealand All Black rugby player who came out to aid of Welsh came to the aid of Welsh player Colin Chavis when he when he was knocked out in a, in a test match in 2003? Here it is again. What was the name of the New Zealand All All Black? Rugby player who came to the aid of the Welsh player Colin Chavis when he was knocked out in a test match in 2003. Question number three. What was the name of the great American golfer who, in a 1969 Ryder Cup match, picked up competitors Tony Jacklin's ball and ball marker and concealed the, con- conceded. Conceded yeah. the tie? Question number four. Uh, Okay. Question number three. What was the name of the great American golfer who, in a 1969 Ryder Cup match, picked up the picked up competitors Tony Jacklin's ball marker and conceded the tie? Question number four. What was the name of the American tennis player who, in 1975 Australian who, in the 1975 Australian Open against the Aussie John Newcomb intentionally double faulted after Newcomb received three consecutive controversial calls. Here it is again. What was the name of the American tennis player who in the 1975 Australian Open against Aussie John Newcomb intentionally double faulted after Newcomb received three consecutive controversial calls? Okay. You the answers? answers yeah okay so question one was what was the name of the famous aussie cricketer who in the 2003 world cricket semi-final against sri lanka walked when not given out the answer to that question is adam gilchrist 
Question number two. What was the name of the New Zealand all-black rugby player who came to the aid of Welsh player Colin Chavis when he was knocked out in a test match in 2003? The answer to that question is Tana Umaga. Did I say that right? Okay. Question number three. What was the name of the great American golfer who, in a 1969 Ryder Cup match, picked up competitor Tony Jacklin's ball marker and conceded the tie? The answer to that question is Jack Nicklaus. Doing well today. Question number four. What was the name of the American tennis player who, in the 1975 Australian Open against Aussie John Newcomb, intentionally double-faulted after Newcomb received three consecutive controversial calls? The answer to that question is Jimmy Connors. Okay. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you for your quiz. So, what did you go? Who am I? She's doing who am I? This week's Who Am I? Okay. Who am I? I am a former British motor racing driver who won both the Formula One World Championship and the IndyCar World Championship. According to Wikipedia, I am the second most successful British Formula One driver of all time in terms of race wins, with 31 victories, behind Lewis Hamilton. My career spanned from, the ni- from 1980 to 1995, with my F1 championship win in 1992. I raced with the Union Jack on my helmet and was known for (coughs) my win or bust attitude. I displayed great sportsmanship during the 1991 Formula One season when I battled out the championship with Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna? Ayrton Senna. In my home race in Silverstone at the British Grand Prix, I overtook Senna and hit the lead with 10 laps left. Senna's McLaren ran out of fuel and he dropped to fourth. After taking the checkered flag, I picked up a stranded Senna and gave him a ride back to the pit lane. According to f1.fandom.com, I am the only driver that has driven solely for Team Lotus, Williams, Ferrari and McLaren, the former successful teams in Formula One. My name is... And then we reveal that the end of the podcast. He's got his pause is breaking his camera by the time. Paparazzi have come here. (laughs) Oh no. Thanks, Libby. Thank you, Libby. Okay. The paparazzi have entered the sports shack. Uh, Quick, close the door. Where are they now? Okay, this week we have a former footballer. Or a soccer player, he's an Italian soccer player. Yeah. Now, yeah, I remember this event when it happened. So this is going back in, oh, just around the year 2000. Yeah. Now, the only reason I remember it is because, you know, as you know, I'm a Everton fan. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't pay attention to who the player was who did this yeah. actual deed. So yeah. he was playing against Everton that day. Yeah. And his name is Paulo De Canio. And he's a real character. I've heard him interviewed and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's a funny guy. But he's uh, an example of a redemption story. So a villain who turned into a hero through his just one act of sportsmanship that he did. And, yeah, he's commonly known for this one act of sportsmanship. So just do a background on uh, 
Paulo De Canio. He, he was born in Rome, Italy in 1968 and is an Italian former professional footballer and manager. So during his playing career, he made, he made over 500 league appearances and scored over 100 goals as a forward. Now, apparently when he was a kid, he was overweight. <laughs> but when you look at him through his playing career and now, you wouldn't think he was ever overweight. Yeah. yeah. So he primarily played as a deep-lying forward, but he could also play as an attacking midfielder or as a winger. Now, he was very talented. However, he was very controversial at the same time, mm. not just on the field but off the field too. Yeah. So he began his career in the Italian Serie A playing for Lazio. So, yeah, that was a bit controversial because he was from Rome. So basically he was expected to play for a, a Rome-based team, but he played for Lazio, oh, yeah. which was out, you know, well outside Rome. Yeah. Yeah, so he also played for Italian clubs Juventus, Napoli, and Milan. Yeah, Napoli. Oh, yeah, that's Naples, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking when I was in Italy years ago, I was in Florence, I went for a walk one day and, yeah, yeah, walked near the, uh, the, the, I'm not sure what the name of the team is, but the team that play out of Florence. Yeah, yeah. just walked near their stadium there. So, yeah, he also played for Scottish Scottish club Celtic. Now, Aussie coach Ange Postacoglu, he's having great success coaching Celtic at the moment. He's coached them to um, some titles and they've already won the the league there for this year, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he's basically been one of their most successful coaches. And before he went over there, yeah, all their supporters, oh, gosh, who's this Neville, you know? Because he was the Aussie coach beforehand and he got dropped and yeah. basically. and But, no, he's going great guns over there. Yeah, so he spent seven years in the English Premier League with uh, Sheffield Wednesday, West Ham United and Charlton Athletic. Now, Decanio returned to Italy in 2004, playing for Lazio and Cisco Roma. So he, yeah, he ended up playing for a Rome club eventually. Uh. Now, according to figs.it, that's F-I-G-C dot it. Uh. <laughs> you read that, Glenn? Uh. Nah. <laughs> yeah, Decanio played for the Italian under-21s. And he made nine appearances and scored two goals. He never played for the senior Italian side, though. Yeah. And he was a member of the squad that finished in third place at the 1990 UEFA European Under-21 Championship. Yeah. Now, remember, Italy are the current European champions. Yeah. Yeah, and, and seniors, yeah. But, yeah, I don't think they made the last World Cup. They didn't. Yeah. yeah. Shows you how hard it is to qualify for the World Cup out of Europe. Um, Tecanio was named as the SPFA So this is the Scottish Premier League He was their Player of the Year in 1997 And he was West Ham's Player of the Season in 2000 Now he was known for his creativity And eye for goal, technical ability and dribbling skills As well as his quick feet and intelligent play on the pitch And was described as having quote an eye for the spectacular 
by the Irish Times in 2001. Now, his career was sparked in controversy, as I said, and he received an 11-match ban in 1998 for pushing a referee and attractive negative publicity over his self-allegiance to fascism. Uh. Yep. Yeah, so he was a fan of Mussolini, you know, the Italian dictator in the Second World War. Uh. Yes, according to Ben Fenton in the Daily Telegraph, De Canio was, quote, a fascist, not a racist. He would at times use the Roman salute towards opposition supporters, a gesture adopted by Italian fascists in the 20th century. And according to Tamir Baron, after one match, De Canio received a one-match ban and was fined £7,000 in a match in Italy for his actions. Now, with, when he pushed the referee, yeah, he was very remorseful for that, although he basically concedes it was accidental at the time. Uh, and, yeah, but he, yeah, the player passed away, uh, the coach passed away in 1998, but he, he met up with the coach, I mean the, the referee. He met up with the referee and, yeah, gave a sincere apology. And, uh, and when he was signed by West Ham coach, yeah, the famous Harry Redknapp. Yeah, <laughs> he said, yeah, only one crazy man could appoint another crazy man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh. So, um, yeah, so despite all De Canio's controversy and his political views, in 2001 he displayed one of the great acts of sportsmanship. So during a 2000... English Premier League match between West Ham and Everton and with the match tied at one all in extra time, mm. Everton goalkeeper Paul Gerrard injured his knee after leaving the net to a challenge a West Ham striker. Now, while Gerrard lay clutching his dislocated knee and was screaming out in pain, <sighs> another West Ham player sent a cross towards De Canio who waited in front of the wide-open goal. So according to Scott Allen in mentalfloss.com, rather than receiving the pass and scoring a certain goal, Dekenio caught the ball to allow Gerard to be treated and received a standing ovation from the, from the home Everton crowd. Yeah. So, you know, to think that quickly and perform that act was just fantastic, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And West Ham apparently really needed the points at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the West Ham <laughs> officials weren't very happy about what he did. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, he did the right thing. So, yeah, the game finished one all. And Canio and FIFA's Fair Play Award in 2001. Now, Gerard presented Canio with an award in the return fixture in 2001 at West Ham's home ground, Upton Park, for his act of sportsmanship. Now, according to Chloe Beresford in the sportsman.com, when asked about how he remembered the incident, Decanio said, quote, I want to tell you the truth. I could never have scored. I've always been a good person, he told Sky Italia. Uh. It is no surprise that during this period, we remember the 17th anniversary of such beautiful gesture of fair play. In that game against Everton, with the goalkeeper lying on the ground, 
I chose to catch the ball with my hands and stop the game. Yeah. Why? Because during the Christmas period, everyone is better. <laughs> Good on him. Decanio said that he still receives many messages from Everton fans and reported that it was good to be remembered for doing something good. Mm. So it's exactly what you were saying earlier, Glenn, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Decanio retired as a player in 2008. He then became a manager, and in 2011 he became the manager of English team Swindon Town guiding them as manager to promotion in League One to League One. He was appointed as the Sunderland manager at the end of March 2013. However, this was short-lived as he was sacked after only three wins in 13 matches. He then applied for other managerial positions such as Bolton Wanderers and Rotterdam United. However, was unsuccessful. So that's what they call... They're coaches over there. They call them managers. Yeah, yeah well, we call them coaches here. Yeah. Yeah. So according to PremierLeagueHeroes.com, during the 23-year playing career to Kenny O'Had, he won the UEFA Cup with Juventus and the Serie A title, uh, UEFA Super Cup and the UEFA Champions League runners-up medal with AC Milan. So, yeah, he had a very distinguished career. Mm-hmm. So let's look at what Paulo De Canio is doing today. Uh, so he's now 53 years of age and he's married to Elizabetta. I think that's how you say it. And they have two daughters. Mm. What else is he up to? Oh, he's, he has several tattoos, including one on his right biceps, which says the Latin word dux, D-U-X, meaning leader, or in Italian... Juice, a nickname for Benito Mussolini. Now, he was embroiled in much controversy when Sky Sport Italia had to apologise after Decanio appeared as a pundit in 2016 in a short sleeve shirt and with his tattoos in view of Italian television viewers. He was later suspended by the station. However, Decanio returned to the channel after four months and resumed his... His role as a pundit. Yeah. He has a tattoo of the former Italian leader on his back and also has a West Ham United tattoo on his left upper armband, a tattoo of his father on his chest. Now, Glenn, what are your views on tattoos? You can see that I've got some, haven't you? Yeah. (laughs) What do you think? Because you don't have any, do you? Uh. Yeah. It's their own. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind them. Yeah, some of them are quite interesting in the, in the way they do. Yeah. The um, yeah, the sleeve and there's a clay clay up at, mm. up at Runaway Bay Sports Recovery Wellness Centre. Mm. He's been working on doing tattoos on his arms and that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they don't tickle when you get them no, put on. No. And I'll, I'll think of guys who get them on their chest and their face and yeah. head, and I think, gosh, they mm. must have a hype, very high yeah. pain threshold. <laughs> but no, I thought about getting one for years. and yeah. yeah, and I just thought, you know, I just bit the bullet one day and I decided to get one. And, yeah, and as you can see, I've got one on my 
for right forearm. Uh, it says Olivia with a date of birth. Fourth uh, of the eighth, oh nine. And on the other arm, that says Warrior. And uh, it's got a symbol of, you know, in uh, oh, just dealing, you know, with chronic pain. Chronic uh, pain yeah. and overcoming challenges to do with that. But, you know, you don't just sort of... They're, they're amazing at what they do, these tattoo artists. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, when you go there, you've sort of got something in your, in your head and yeah. they don't spend the whole time with you just doing the tattoo. They actually <laughs> sit down and work out the design with you. Yeah. So when I got that second one, that would have taken probably two visits and, um, yeah, close to two hours. Yeah. Coming up with the design, yeah, yeah, they're amazing at what they do. Yeah. Then you put the cling wrap on the arm yeah. <laughs> for a few days, and yeah. <laughs> but what put me off it? You're not allowed to go swimming for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's why it took me so long to get one. But uh-huh. they're not cheap either. So, uh-huh. but many sports stars today have them, and. Uh-huh. I reckon just about every <laughs> second or third person on the Gold Coast has got one too. Yeah. I noticed Sam's got one when I walked in yeah. on the back there. Yeah. Yeah, so according to the Independent, Canio has spoken yeah. of this interest of the – yeah, so he's got an interest now of the samurai culture and of the Japanese spiritual uh, mentality from reading Mishima and the teachings of the traditions of – Hakakur and Bushido. Yeah, so he's got an interest in uh, Japanese spirituality. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So that's the story of Paulo de Canio. Mm. So let's look at some other great acts of sportsmanship over the years now. So we're going right back now before our time, Glenn, before... We entered the world. 1963. Yeah, so this is a German... 1936. <laughs> uh, way back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well over 50 years ago. Yeah. So this man's name was Lutz Long. So at the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin, German long jumper Lutz Long set an Olympic record during the preliminary round to qualify for the finals. Now, American great Jesse Owens fouled on his first two attempts and faced disqualification if he fouled again. Mm-hmm. Now, before Owens made his final attempt, Long went to uh, Owens and advised him to adjust his takeoff point to several inches behind the foul line to ensure that he would advance to the next round. Yeah. Owens took Long's advice, qualified for the finals, and set a new world record to win the gold medal. Long took the silver and showed enormous courage to do such an act in front of Adolf Hitler. Uh, yeah. Now, Owens and Long developed a great friendship. Long was killed in World War II while fighting in action, but his family remained in contact with the Owens family. Isn't that great? Yes, it is. Yeah. Very good. Mm. So, next man we'll talk about is Pete Goss. So, 1996, around the world, 
uh, yacht. This was during the Round the World Vendee Globe Yacht Race. English sailor Pete Goss, he received a Mayday notification. Competitor, Frenchman, Raphael Dinelli's yacht had wrecked in a storm in the Southern Ocean. That's one place you don't want to get uh, wrecked. <laughs> Those yeah. massive high seas there. Yeah. And he required urgent help. Goss abandoned course and made a brave rescue in search of Danelli. Goss sailed his yacht, Aqua Quorum, into hurricane force winds and his yacht was knocked down several times. He eventually found Danelli with the aid of an, the Australian Air Force with the aid of Australian Air Force plane. The two became close friends and France awarded Goss the Légion d'Honneur. Do you know what that stands for in French, Glenn? No. <laughs> the, the Legion's Honour. Uh, I think it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know a bit of French. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to talk about two ladies now. This happened in recent years. Nikki Hamblin and Abby D'Agostino. So New Zealand's Hamblin and D'Agostino of the US collided with each other with 2,000 metres to go during their 5,000 metre heat at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Now, according to bbcsport.com, D'Agostino got up and tried to help Hamblin to her feet before falling over because she had injured her leg. Hamblin then helped the American to her feet and the pair ran most of the rest of the race together before embracing on the finish line. They both received the Olympic Fair Play Award. Mm. Now, we're going to talk about the Brownlee brothers. Now, I think I mentioned them briefly last week. Now, in 2016, Britain's Alastair Brownlee carried his brother Johnny across the line at the World Triathlon Series final in Mexico. Mm. Yeah. And this is a very famous one. Andrew Freddie Flintoff, and Aussie, so he's a famous former English cricketer uh. and f- former Aussie fast bowling great, Brett Lee. Uh. Yeah, they had a great act of sportsmanship. So the second Ashes Test match between England and Australia at Edgbaston in 2005 will go down as one of the greatest test matches ever. Now, we've spoken about it a couple of times, I think, in some of our episodes, but after a defiant last-wicket stand between Aussies Brett Lee and Michael Kasprovich, with only two runs to tie, three runs to win, Kasprovich was dismissed by England's fast bowler, Steve Harmison. Now, before that, England were going to win the game by a mile, you know, but it was a... Really courageous innings by Shane Warne that got Australia back into the game. Oh, yeah. And it was also his bowling in that test match. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for Warney, that series, Australia probably would have lost that series 4-1. Yeah. Yeah, that's how, how great Warney played in that series. Not just with the, with the ball where he got 40 wickets, but, yeah, yeah with the bat too. He batted superbly. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of really handy runs and... Yeah, his innings in this test match nearly got Australia over the lawn. So while the crowd went wild and the England players rejoiced, England all-rounder Andrew Flintoff chose to console Brett Lee, who had slumped to his knees after being left on 43 not out. 
When Lee was asked in 2010 what Flintoff said to him at that moment, Lee recalled that Freddie said to him, quote, Bad luck, mate. We tried very hard to get you out, but we didn't think it would come down to the last two or three runs. But I'll see you inside for a beer after. <laughs> good on you, Freddie. Yeah, good on you. Yeah. Now, this next one's Derek Redman and his dad, Jim. So during a 400-metre semi-final race at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, British runner Derek Redman was well-placed when he tore his hamstring with less than half the race to go. Now, Redman got up and attempted to hobble the rest of the distance to the finish line. His father, Jim, ran onto the track fending off stewards and assisted his son to complete the course with his son Derek in tears. They received a standing ovation from the crowd. Yeah, but they were disqualified afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but what does it matter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, the next man, his name is David Purely. Now, in the, at the 1973 Dutch Formula One Grand Prix, Britain's Purely abandoned his car after seeing competitor Roger Williamson have a horrific crash. Now, Purely tried desperately to get Williamson's burning car back on its wheels before grabbing a fire extinguisher to try and put out the flames. Now, actually, I think it's Purley. Purley, it's pronounced. David Purley. Yeah. Yeah. So Purley tried to flag down fellow drivers to help. Sadly, Williamson died of asphyxiation. Purley was awarded the George Medal for his great bravery. Sadly, too, Pearly died in a plane crash, age 40. Yeah. What a great active yeah. sportsmanship that is, to put your life on the line. and yeah. yeah. Right, so this guy, it hurt me to put him down. <laughs> this is in the sportsmanship category because a lot of his behaviour isn't very sports sportsmanlike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Virat Kohli. Yeah, the great Indian batsman. So in a group match at the 2019 Cricket World Cup between India and Australia, Steve Smith, who was returning to the Aussie side after his 12 months ban due to the Sandpaper Gate affair, was being heckled and booed loud, loudly by a large group of Indian spectators in the crowd. India's superstar batsman Virat Kohli, who was batting at the time, walked down towards the Indian crowd and informed them to stop what they were doing to Smith and then thanked Smith then thanked Coley for his act. Uh. Yeah. Right, Jonathan Thurston is next. Good old JT, the great rugby league player. Mm. So after Canterbury defeated Sydney Roosters in a nail-biting 2004 NRL Grand Final, 16 points to 13, Rugby league great Thurston, who was playing for Canterbury at the time, early in his illustrious career, gave his premiership ring to fellow Bulldog and captain Steve Price, who could not play in the match due to injury. Now, throughout his career, Thurston was well known for going to the crowd after a match, finding a young child and handing them his famous headgear. Uh-huh. Yep. Right, Sean Crawford's the next one. Now, according to Online Masters, Ohio University, at the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing, sprinter Sean Crawford 
was representing the US in the 200-metre sprint. Now, this is similar to uh, something you were talking about earlier, Glenn, about what happened in a race. Yeah. Yeah, so he finished fourth in the race, Crawford. However, he then learnt that the second and third place finishers had both been disqualified for stepping on the lines during the race. Yeah. Now, a few days later, Crawford handed over his silver medal as he believed that the original rankings should have stood. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit similar to Kurt Fernley, eh? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, he's, um, he's walked the Kokoda track, that guy. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And what, he's got no arms or legs. No legs. Yeah, no legs. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Now, he's a famous baseballer. Actually, I actually only been to one baseball game ever when I went to Yankee Stadium that day way back in 1999 and I actually saw Derek Jeter play. So this is an act of sportsmanship between Derek Jeter and the Boston Red Sox. So the baseball star was preparing to end his professional baseball career. So he could have called it good with his, called it good with his final game at Yankee Stadium but there he pulled a single at the bottom of the ninth to turn things around for the Yankees. But mm-hmm. instead, he went on to play one more major league game in Boston against yeah. the Red Sox at Fenway Park. So that was the answer to one of our who am I questions a few yeah. weeks back, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so following the game, Jeter personally said goodbye to every Red Sox player. And the Red Sox appreciated Jeter's gesture and they brought out many of their other stars and Hall of Famers to pay tribute to Jeter. Mm. Yeah. Right, now, we've got another American now. His name's Jack Sock. Yeah, Jack Sock. Now, he's an American tennis player. Now, according to EssentiallySports.com, I've come across this on YouTube a couple of times, uh, what he did. So he was playing Aussie... Uh, great Leighton Hewitt. So they were playing against each other in the Hotman Cup in 2016. Now Hewitt was serving. His first serve was called out at one point during the match. And just as Hewitt was about to toss his second serve, Jack Sock called out to Hewitt to challenge the point because Sock said the serve from Hewitt was in. Now Hewitt, who looked puzzled at the time, but then went on to challenge the call, and yes, the technology proved the ball was in. Leighton Hewitt went on to win the match. However, the match is well known for Sox sportsmanship. Yeah. But I, I remember John McEnroe used to do that sometimes yeah. against an opponent. I remember he did in a Davis Cup game once against Australia years yeah. ago. Yeah. I think Pat Cash was serving and yeah, it was called a fault and McEnroe walked to the other end of the court because he... Said not the ball was in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although he had lots of, you know, temper tantrums, yeah. He could show some grace sometimes. <laughs> he wouldn't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right, next one, we have another tennis player. Grigor Dimitrov. No, Dimitrov, his name is. Grigor Dimitrov. Now, during the Brisbane International quarterfinals, Bulgarian tennis player... Grigor Dimitrov was playing Great Britain's Kyle Edmund with the match four all in the third set in a tight quarterfinal. Uh, 
Now, Edmund went down injured on the court after a heavy fall and was in immense pain. Dimitrov immediately rushed over to check on the Briton to ensure he was okay. Edmund was able to continue, however, lost the next two games. But, however, it was Dimitrov's act of sportsmanship that was not forgotten. Now, you wouldn't think this would happen, but this is uh, an act of sportsmanship displayed by a crowd. Uh. Yeah, the 1989 State of Origin in Sydney, Game 2. So the great Wally Lewis was much hated by New South Wales supporters throughout his career. And there were often the chants of, Wally is a wanker. (laughs) (laughs) Wally Lewis, he often used to say, oh, Sydney's a beautiful looking city, you know. You're flying when the plane flies in. Uh You look out the window and oh, it's a beautiful view of the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House and Port Jackson. But there's a shame there's so many idiots down there. (laughs) And he was even booed when he ran onto the field to Captain Australia for the first time in a test match against Great Britain in 1984 in Sydney. Mm. Yeah, so game two, 1989, is Queensland's most courageous effort in origin history. Well, probably the most courageous effort effort ever in origin history. Now, Queensland lost Alan Langer with a broken leg, Mel Meninga with a fractured eye socket, Paul Vorton with an elbow injury by half-time. And in the second half, Michael Hancock came off with a bruised shoulder, while Bob Lidner played on with a fracture in his ankle, which he carried for much of the match, as Queensland had no more reserves. So they basically played with 11 men against 13. Mm. Yeah. Now, Wally Lewis scored a memorable 40-metre individual try near the end to clinch the, the match and clinch the series for Queensland. Now, at full time, the New South Wales crowd stood up and clapped the Queensland side, acknowledging their gutsy performance. Wally Lewis gathered all these players around and informed them to take this moment in and lap it up as they'll never see this ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's look at our Paul's top five sportsmanship moments. Uh-huh. In fifth place, I've got Derek and Jim Redman. Mm. Yeah, just the fact, you know, it was a family act and, you know, the fact, the fact that his father was in the crowd uh-huh. and saw his son... You know, in great pain and, oh, boy, I've done my, my hamstring lots and lots of times. Yeah. It's bloody painful when you first yeah. do it. Yeah. Now, fourth place, I've got David uh, Pearlie. Yeah. Just for his act of uh, putting his life on the line and yeah. trying to save a fellow competitor in that Formula One race yeah. back in 1973. Yeah. And third place, I've got Pete Goss. Yeah, so just, you know, another one who put his life on the line to save a fellow competitor, you mm-hmm. know, in those in the Southern Ocean where it's extremely dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Second place, I've got Lutz Long. How gutsy is that? Yeah. You know, yeah. you think um, Jesse Owens, he was, he was an African-American athlete. For America, one of the greatest sprint 
uh, track and field athletes of all time. He won yeah. the hundred meters, two hundred meters. Yeah, and you know you've those thirty six Olympics were, you know, th- that was where Hitler wanted to, you know, show off Nazism and oh, yeah. so you know how he wanted that pure race, an Aryan race, and yeah. and you know really look he really looked down upon Jesse Owens. Uh, and for him to do that, Lutz Long, you know, yeah, in front of, uh, yeah, in those sort of circumstances, mm. gosh, that takes guts. Yeah. Incredible, you know. Yeah. And first place, I've got the Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas. Mm. Now, the reason for that is because, yeah, just uh, conceding that tie... He basically handed the Ryder Cup to to the opposition, to yeah. Europe. Yeah. yeah. That was incredible, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just, um, you know, he could have done nothing and, yeah, but he didn't want Tony Jacklin, I think it was, to be under that much pressure. Yeah. And he thought, no, I'm, yeah. But he was just a real wonderful gen- gentleman, Jack Nicholas. Yes. Yeah. Probably greatest golfer of all time up there with the great Tiger Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Didn't get up to mischief like Tiger Woods. Yeah. Uh, yep. He was able to control, yeah. control himself. Uh, great man. Yeah. Time to reveal this week's Who Am I? And the answer is Nigel Mansell. Mm. So what sport did he play? Nigel Mansell yeah. is a Formula One driver. For who? Oh. Well, he, he, he drove for quite a few teams, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Ferrari. Ferrari. McLaren. Yeah. I think. Oh, Livy mentioned it in Who Am I? Yeah. She was reading it out. Um, yeah. What were the other two? Here we are. Let's do our homework. Mm-hmm. Oh, Williams, Team Lotus, yeah. and McLaren, Ferrari, yep, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, that's, I uh, wonder what he's up to now, My, Nigel Mansell. Mm. Mm. Okay, so let's look at what we'll do next week. Yeah. What do you reckon? Do you think we could do, well, one thing we touched on today was uh, sportsmen that have redeemed themselves. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Yeah, short show, mate. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we spoke about Paulo De Canio today and yeah. spoken how Shane Warne has yeah. redeemed himself over the years. Yeah. yeah, so I think, yeah, we're taking next week off because I'm away yeah. interstate. But uh, oh, I'll still be putting those posts up. Don't yeah. you worry about that. That's good. They'll be going up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. So, it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from Glenn. Goodbye. Bye. G'day. It's me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time...